This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. You heard it here first. Yesterday, Mayor John Tory revealed that the city is cracking down on excessive noise, starting with those inconsiderate people who soup up their vehicles, don't have proper mufflers, or blast the music in their cars so loud that it shakes the street. The police gave out 44 tickets this week, and the mayor will be talking more about this next week. However, when it comes to noise complaints from neighborhoods, it can take the police days to respond. And there are a lot of other issues beyond vehicles and noisy neighbors who like to party, whether from construction or restaurants that amp up the volume to give the impression of a scene. Noise pollution is a big health Hazard. Now we are going to delve into this, uh, all aspects of it, and we want to hear from you. You know, have have you suffered from noise pollution? Have you left places because it's so loud that it hurts? Uh, what bugs you? Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And Toronto has a new noise bylaw that will take effect in October. So first, let's go to Councillor Shelley Carroll uh, from Ward 17. She's a member of the Economic and Community Development Committee that came up with the bylaw. Hi, Shelley. Hi, Libby. So uh, what does this new bylaw say? Well, as much as the the uh, the mayor was talking about uh, noises from automobiles, one of the biggest culprits is construction noise, and that that will come as no surprise. Most residents have some form of construction near them, and those uh, those complaints that come about those things are are interesting because they're generally speaking they're the kinds of noises that if you heard that noise this morning long before they were supposed to start work, you're probably going to hear it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that. They're almost always things where the reason people complain is because it's chronic. And so it's quite reasonable to be complaining. And that's that's where the bylaw cracks down. It may take us a few days to get to the construction noise complaint. But basically what we're looking at is going in there, levying heavier fines, and we've increased those. We can find people now where it's egregious right up to $100,000. And we're also looking at, uh, at getting in there and really staying on the case until they really change their work plans. And so there's those types of sources. Some of the sort of temporary sources are automobiles. And if someone's revving their engine, you got to ask yourself, what else are they doing? Along with the noise pollution, there's probably a certain amount of environmental pollution. And things like the dreaded leaf blower. Oh. That is a major bone of contention in almost every neighborhood in Toronto. Well, you know, speaking of the construction noise, just yesterday I was appalled. My husband and I were having a fairly early pre-theater dinner. It was after six. It was in Chinatown. And literally, they were drilling on the stairs right underneath the restaurant. And I'm thinking, what are they mm-hmm. thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can't be good for business. And it, it just, you know, people just accept this. 
Well, it, and it and it is very tough. People have accepted that we're a constantly growing city to an extent, but the biggest problem is we we already have given pretty broad license in saying to them you can make all the noises associated with construction between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. That cuts well into the dinner hour for most people, but. That's really a broad, uh, a broad amount of hours to get a lot of work done in. And so we're starting to crack down. If you don't have permission to go beyond those hours, we're going to be firm in our enforcement. And it will mean that by October, we also have to beef up our ability to enforce. We've got to work on uh, getting the staff complement to where it can do that. But the other piece is um, uh, we've done uh, um, uh, an exemption for government work, and this is controversial, primarily in the downtown core where homes tend to be closer to highways, where we're doing large infrastructure projects, provincial and federal projects have always been exempt from our municipal noise bylaw. And so a controversial thing that that we've changed is we've included ourselves now in government work. So when we're you know, pulling down a ramp on the gardener and we have to create a new ramp and a new way for people to get to work on Monday morning. We're putting ourselves in the same category with the federal government and the provincial government to say, this is work that's going to have to get done quickly. And so we're going to work through the night and get it done with as little disruption as possible. Um, okay. You know, in, in, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be bringing in a among other people, a woman who was responsible for a new noise bylaw in New York City, a very noisy place, certainly when I used to live there. <laughs> and uh, one of the things she said was, you know, th- this is worth nothing if there's no enforcement. So, you know, we keep hearing about uh, holding the line on costs at City Hall. So is the plan to hire people to enforce this? Are you going to do it with current uh, current bylaw officers? Because uh, as she says, if you're not going to enforce this bylaw, what's it worth? Well, to a certain extent, uh, there there are revenues flowing back to licensing enforcement. All of the, the fines that are levied, we do a pretty good job of collecting the fines. Fines that are levied go back to this department to help defray the costs of enforcement, but initially to get it going, it does require hiring more people. But currently, you know, we have great need in all of the areas of bylaw licensing enforcement. And what we do is cross-train. So we don't have someone just working on construction, someone just working on uh, licensed establishments and after-hours clubs, and someone just going around the neighborhood uh, 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 catching the person who's using the leaf blower at the, long, at the wrong time. We have to beef up enforcement so that we can make sure that while we train them to, to, to work across the, the whole set of regulations, we can also extend their hours. Because right now, the bulk of the staff work from 9 to 5, and that's not when the problem is. Aha! Uh-huh. I think you've hit on something there. Yeah. Shelley, um, uh, before we let you go, let's take a quick call from Sam in Toronto. And you want to talk about construction noise. I hear other noise on the line. Are you there, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, actually, I, was, I was just listening to the lady, and she beat me to it. So I guess I shouldn't talk, because she already said everything I was going to say. But I'm going to make a point, a small point. Well, Toronto is basically a corporate city, and it is, um, it's a large you know, municipality, it's a large cosmopolitan city, and we all understand. But I think this unregulated uh, you know, uh, 
industry, in a construction industry, in a way that permits are given left and right. Maybe there is an order to it. Maybe there is a wisdom to it. But the way I see it's like randomly every day something is coming up or going down. I I guess city is making profit out of it, and I understand that. But there has to be, there's got to be accountability, you know, to some sort. You know, one of the side effects is, of course, uh, noise and pollute noise pollution and everything else. But you're talking about like huge amount of, you know, uh, time, uh, you know, waste, waste of time for ordinary citizens who are working out there and, uh, you know, going to, uh, doing things. So noise is one of the major ones, uh, you know, I give it to you. And, uh, but there's a ton of other things that the city uh, will be able to do if there is some sort of a, like there is a board you know, sits and it's like outside the government and it looks at all this and said there has to be reasonable, sensible solution, you know, to uh, construction and development and everything else. Okay, I mean, Sam, you, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I know there are things in place and a lot of people think, uh, well, it, it's it's hard to see what that is. It, it does seem kind of uh, all over the place. We're going... Shelley, would you like to respond before we go? I think it seems random. I think that part of the reason that it seems random is because there is so much. Last year, uh, for instance, we we surprised even ourselves. We know we're growing quickly. Expected there to be 40,000 more people. Instead, there were 76,000 more people coming into the city and uh, or, or simply becoming adults and becoming counted as an adult. And so there's a lot of uh, building going on for housing. All of them, all of them are, are governed by bylaws, have gone through their approval processes. But then within a construction project, a time comes that you've got something unavoidable to do. One of the changes in the, the noise bylaws is particularly meaningful to people who live close to high-rise construction. Downtown, where the buildings are close together, one thing that can't stay inside of that 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. is what we call the continuous pour. Sometimes you get to the stage of a building where you're pouring the foundation or, or uh, laying the floor of, of the next story in, in the sky. You may be 25 meters away from somebody else's window, and you're now continuously pouring cement into the night because once you start the pour, you have to finish it. That's been a real problem. So we spent a long time on that in the bylaw. And while it's unavoidable, once you start pouring, you can't stop or you jeopardize the integrity of the building. But what you can do is schedule your work as a construction foreman. You know when you're planning to do that. You have to rent the equipment in advance and the cement and all the rest. So you know that next week, we're going to start the continuous pour of the 16th floor, for instance. What the bylaw now says is that you have to notify everyone within 120 meters the week before. That's a very reasonable change. Let people know it's going to affect their sleep that night. Let them know a week in advance. And that's not asking a lot because they likely had to rent the equipment a week in advance. Okay. Thank you for that. Shelley Carroll, appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks. And now let's bring in Dr. Arlene Bronzaft. She's a psychologist who was instrumental in bringing in a new noise bylaw for New York City. And Dr. Matthias Bassner, who is Associate Professor of Sleep and Chronobiology in Psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania. Hello and welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. 
Hello. Hello. Uh, so, Arlene, uh, you helped bring in a new noise bylaw in New York. Uh, and how is it working out? Has it really improved things? All right. First of all, my research and writing speak to the deleterious effects of noise on health. And that's overwhelming. And the people that are complaining about noise are being stressed by And if the stress doesn't create some physiological disorder, it has at least diminished their quality of life. And you're not living a healthy lifestyle if you have to cope with noise. So in New York City, while I did the research, a lot of it here on aircraft noise and rail noise, I was more involved than psychologists generally are in trying to effectuate change. And one of these was updating the noise code, which we did 12 years ago. And the one difference that we have in New York, and I do know Toronto, and yes, it's noisier than when I lived there as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, a lot. Yes, I'm half Canadian. Okay. The point, the point I'm making is that the code is enforced by a designated group of people. The Department of Environmental Protection oversees the enforcement of a code, and they have agents that are only involved with enforcement of of the noise code. So when I talk about the fact that you must enforce a law or else the law is not worth the paper it's written on, and I've said that in New York City to our former mayor, the point is the agency that's going to oversee it has to have designated people that are going to deal with it. Now, do we have a construction section? Yes. One of the things I did not hear mentioned by the former speaker, the legislator, is do they have to use quieter tools? Now, our code has a shortcoming in that we suggest quieter tools. I have now said, 12 years after our last revision, maybe that should be mandated. So in other words, when you look at a construction section, it's not just a matter of hours of work and possibly giving permission when you have an emergency, but are you using tools that are quieter? That is critical. Are you using blankets to protect the nearby residents? So that I I would like to say, and personally, I would work with the people in Toronto to make sure that this bylaw effectively does what the legislators who passed it wanted to do. And I think they're earnest and concerned. And they have to also monitor it. In other words, one of the other things you have to do is after six months or so, you have to go back and check. Have you been able to respond effectively to the We're losing you there, Arlene. Uh, Let's bring in Matthias Basner. Hello. Dr. Basner? Are you there, Dr. Basner? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Can you just give us an idea? I know that uh, excessive noise can affect heart health. Uh, What else? Yeah, I mean, mean, first of all, excessive noise is, of course, bad for hearing, but that is like at more extreme levels and not those that are typically experienced near construction sites or roads, etc. 
but yeah, um, I mean, there have been studies showing that cognitive performance in children is reduced uh, in those children who attend noisy schools, that their academic performance is worse compared to their peers who attend quiet schools. Um, obviously, it disturbs communication per se. That is, you have to speak up. It's more likely that you're misunderstood. That may actually be one of the reasons why the academic performance is reduced in children. It can be very detrimental in a hospital environment uh, when you you know uh, doctors are communicating with other doctors and nurses. And then sleep disturbance. That is something that I have uh, been doing a lot of research on. Is one of the major um, health effects of noise because sleep is so important. Uh, it recuperates us and prepares us for the next wake period. And, and noise is a very potent disruptor of sleep uh, because the auditory system is really uh, has a watchman function. It's 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 really monitoring our environment constantly, even while we're sleeping, and is basically waking us up if there's anything that has a potential danger. Um, and this is why it, it can be so disruptive um, during sleep. And you already mentioned uh, uh, other health outcomes, cardiovascular disease. There's a, a large body of research, epidemiologic research, showing that um, relevant noise exposure for prolonged periods of time can increase the risk for cardiovascular disease. That is, you know, increased blood pressure, increased rate of heart attacks, potentially stroke. But there's also more and more studies looking at other health outcomes like diabetes, obesity, or even cancer uh, that noise may be associated with. And that may, makes good sense in the sense that through the mechanism of sleep disturbance, but also, you know, just the, the general stress response that triggers inflammatory mechanisms, et cetera. So there's really, um, these are the so-called non-auditory health effects, and they're less, less well-known in the population, but they're just as important. And although, you know, the risk increases are um, oftentimes not dramatic, like, for example, the risk increase of uh, cancer through smoking, it still is a major public health problem in the sense that so many people are exposed to relevant noise levels. And this is why, you know, some people call it uh, the next big public health crisis. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a call from Anne in Toronto. Anne, we don't have very much time left, so um, please say your piece quickly. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring in uh, noise from a low-flying aircraft in the Toronto area. Uh, we've got increased air traffic, but the runway capacity is not increasing. So the planes are put into a hold pattern, and they also are in descent mode. So they're flying out to Richmond Hill. That can happen in the middle of the night, waking you up, and then you can't get back to sleep. Uh, so I didn't hear anything being addressed uh, in terms of low-flying aircraft noise. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a very good point. And, and I remember even years ago seeing uh, studies that show that noise from aircraft are, are a big problem. Thank you for pointing that out, Anne. And uh, again, uh, we're starting to run out of time here. So again, I'm going to say people, Free For All Friday is tomorrow. I really do want to hear your comments about noise pollution. Uh, we can uh, leave that from our callers until tomorrow. Uh, but I'd like to wrap things up with our guests. Uh, Arlene Bronzat, what would you like to leave us with? Yeah, first of all, in terms of aircraft noise, we have groups in the United States that are combating it. Unfortunately, it's a federal issue, but I have personally conducted research on aircraft noise and its impacts on residents, and I'm trying to work with these groups. Uh, number two, I do think that citizens 
have to get involved, like the group you have in Toronto that's concerned with noise pollution. And I think if they work together with their legislators, they can actually affect a change by bringing by, by a noise code or noise bylaws that can really impact and lessen the noise. In fact, New York City is looking again at its noise code because 12 years later, things have changed and we can improve. So our code isn't perfect, but it was an effort to try to lessen the din and let the good sounds of the city enrich the people. Okay, and Matthias Bassner, 30 seconds, no more. Oh, my. Well, you know, I'm always thinking, you know, why is not more being done uh, to uh, lower noise uh, when we know so much about the, uh, the negative health consequences of noise? And I, I came to the conclusion the problem is that, you know, uh, everything that generates noise also ge- can generate revenue or actually some people like that, like people going to a rock concert or these people driving around with their motorbikes and their loud exhaust system. So for every opponent, you will always also always find somebody supporting the noise. So the, the noise legislation enforcement is always a balancing act, and that makes it so hard. Okay. Thank you both. Arlene Bronsat for having us. Okay, and Dr. So Matthias Basner. And again, people, uh, I want to take up this issue of noise pollution. When we come back tomorrow for Free for All Friday, I could not get to all of your calls. I think it's a really important issue. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.